Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back. Let's welcome in Coach Rodriguez. He's the O-line coach, and I believe the run game coordinator, too, at Akron, University of Akron. See, I about screwed it up. I don't know why I want to say the school name first, but the University of Akron in Ohio. Coach, thanks yes, for sir. being here so early in the morning with me. Uh, we're good. Thanks for being here. And, and uh, like uh, probably like most coaches, I'm an, I'm an early bird, so I'm usually way more productive before 9 a.m. than I am after 9 a.m., so I'm happy to be on. Yeah, good thing I checked my email when you emailed me. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, because I have a fancy iPhone, but for some reason it doesn't alert my emails, so I'm always just checking them. So good Oh, uh, what a pain. I don't know why. It's the brand new one, whatever. Me and technology yeah. just don't get along all the time. <laughs> why it doesn't alert me, I don't know, so I always check it. I check it like yeah. three times an hour just to make sure. So the first thing I did this morning, I was like, let me just check. Oh, all right, yeah. well, I got to get up. <laughs> it's, my, it's my day. This is my full day off. We have no camp, mm. no nothing. You know, so this is, yeah, it's fine. And you think I could sleep in, but your body wakes you up because you're so you used can't. to it. It's physically impossible. Yeah, my wife gets mad at me all the time. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I mean, what do we do? <laughs> right, like sleeping in is like six or seven a.m. And you're like, oh, well, I'm up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for being here, Coach. Um, I like to start off a little bit with how you got to Akron because you were just at FIU, I believe, beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like we were just talking a little bit, now you made the jump from nice warm weather, humid weather to Akron, which is in Ohio, where you might get snow. So yeah. <laughs> so how did you end up getting to Akron or even to FIU? Um, I think even Co- Coach Siasi told me to get you on here last year. I talked to him before. I think He's you know, awesome. 
He's like, yeah. you got to get him on sometime. And so that's why you're on my list. Yeah. So like, I know you've been around different parts of the country coaching. So like, how did that all come about um, to get to Akron? Yeah. Um, well, you know, like, like most things uh, in this profession, it's, it's as much who, you know, sometimes, right. As uh, you know, there's an old saying kind of who, you know, gets you in the door and what, you know, keeps you in, keeps you in the building. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so we're part of a whole new coaching staff at Akron. They got hired uh, really December to January. Joe Moorhead is the new head coach here. Um, now, uh, Coach Moorhead had been actually had been an assistant at Akron prior to from, I think, 05 or 04 to 09. Uh, he was the receiver coach and became the coordinator under J.D. Brookhart. Um, so uh, and then Joe's obviously had a ton of success since then at a bunch of places as a head coach and a coordinator. So I was actually uh, Joe, uh, Coach Moorhead's uh, first offensive line coach when he took his first head coaching job at oh. Fordham, okay. which is uh, an FCS school in New York City, right, in the Patriot League. So that was 2012 until 2015, uh, Joe and I were together at Fordham. Um, and it was, a honestly, to this day, it's probably the most fun I've ever had coaching college football uh, and a lot of that's because of Joe, right? He's a he's a phenomenal human being. He's a great dad. He's a really good football coach. He's a good. I mean, just he's. I tell people this all the time in this profession. He's like a pink unicorn because you, you you're gonna be successful. You're gonna win games. He knows what he's doing. He has an identity. He doesn't deviate from that very much. But on top of all that, he's a. I mean, just an outstanding human being, right? Mm -hmm. And a really really good guy to work for, and truly a friend of mine. So when we when we left. Um, Fordham in 2015. I went to Miami. He went to Penn State. Um, we've not worked together since then, but we've stayed really good friends, probably texting, you know, off season, maybe once a week in season, not as often, obviously, because you're busy. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we've always stayed in touch. So when he was in the process of getting this opportunity and kind of reached out to me to gauge my interest, I was like, well, you know, FIU was going through a coaching change. I had the opportunity to possibly stay on staff there. That was home. That was very appealing, but when this thing became uh, a reality, I could not, in good faith, knowing Joe, what he stands for, what good person he is, and, and everything that he told me that was going to happen, that he had plans for Akron, I was like, I want to be a part of that, you know, so that's kind of how it all kind of happened. Yeah, uh, I was talking to a coach the other day, it's crazy, if you keep in contact with people, it's who you know again, but it comes full circle of getting you a job or like helping you get where you need to go. If you keep relationships, like you don't burn bridges, which we all probably have, but you, you try to keep coaches, this, this group together because. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's one thing. Um, and anybody from a recruiting standpoint, who's visited or been around Akron since we got there in January, because Joe's been very uh, open and forthright about this whole process. Like, you know, he had a, uh, you know, his most recent head coaching opportunity was in 20, I think it was 2018 and 19. He was a head coach in Mississippi State, in mm -hmm. SEC, uh, which in hindsight has, has met as many wins as any coach in school history in the first two years, had more wins in his two years than the current coach had his first two years, right? But from a cultural fit, it wasn't a good fit, right? I mean, Joe's a Midwestern Pittsburgh guy, has spent his whole time coaching really in that part of the country. And then going uh, to, to Mississippi State was a little bit different. Um, but one of the things that Joe talked about in terms of like, hey, hey do I want to be head coach again? And if that happens, what are some of the things that have to be in place for me to take that, that opportunity? 
Um, and one of the most important things was, you know, um, the ability to hire the staff that he wanted, right? Guys that he knew, guys that he trusted. Um, you know, because so much of this profession, you know, hey, you know, we're in a staff meeting and everyone says, yeah, we're on board. And then you break off and talk to your kids or you break off and talk to your side of the ball or your small group. Hmm. And you never know for sure if that message is being carried through the way it with the same vigor that the head coach would, you know. So he wanted to make sure he surrounded himself with guys that he did not have to worry about, you know, where their allegiances lie, whether, you know, uh, how trustworthy they were, how good of people they were. Um, so it's really cool because literally every single person on our staff, except maybe one, has worked with, for, played for, you know, somewhere online, Coach Moorhead in the last, you know, 15 years or so. Right. Uh, uh, and, and our D coordinator was, is the one that probably hasn't worked with them, but they've coached against each other, you mm-hmm. know, on, uh, you know, in the Big Ten and, and out, out west in the Pac 12. So it's just really cool because, Everyone kind of, although we didn't all know each other because we all worked for them in different places, there is a very, uh, it was a very easy kind of, of um, uh, like, transition mm-hmm. of coming together because it was almost like, well, if if Joe stamps you, then I know, I know you're good, so I'm going to trust you almost inherently, right, you know, which is awesome. Yeah, because you guys going to Akron, you know, Akron, you know, has been up and down, bringing all you guys together because now it's like, you're inputting your culture on it. So if you've all known, like if you all know Coach Moorhead or anything like that, it seems like you just said, easy transition to come in. You're trying to build that culture, put your guys' culture in there um, to turn it around because it has been up and down. But it's also exciting to do that because I've been a part of that high school level. You try to build that back up. It is exciting to jump into that and do that. And, you know, so like when you got there, how, what kind of culture changes have you tried to build up there to try during the summer? Because yeah. summer is different than the season, but you have to like day one hit the ground running. So, like, what kind of culture things do you guys all talk about to bring that back up? Yeah, well, it's, it started back in January when we first got there, and when the kids first came back on campus, obviously. And, and honestly, from a culture, uh, um, um, from a building your culture standpoint, mm-hmm. that time from January, the first semester, right? That 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 winter spring semester is the most important time, in my opinion, of a new staff's transition because no matter how well you recruit, whether it's out of the portal or or, or high school kids, whatever it is, the bulk of your of your production and the bulk of, of who you're going to rely on in the in the following fall is going to come from guys who you're inheriting, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Guys who are already on your roster. Um so it's it's and you only get you only get one chance to do it to do it right the first time right. Mm-hmm. Um, so our culture is not necessarily. I mean, I, I, listen, there are some uh, head coaches and, and staffs that, that 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 preach that word and and have a lot of really exotic ways to express it, right? You know what I mean? Ours is pretty simple. You know, like hey, like do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it, how you're supposed to do it, and the manner should be done the best the best of your ability. Really simple, right? So if you have, for example, so for example. Um, when we work out, right? So we have obviously, and our strength staff is amazing. Our coach Ben came from Pitt. He's a stud. He's been a head guy at Kansas and at, at Wyoming, and spent time at LSU and a bunch of places. Um, so we have we have a, a a dress of the day every day for the weight room, right? It might be you know, there's a gray T-shirt and there's a white T-shirt and a blue T-shirt. There's mm-hmm. a blue blue pair of shorts, a 
black pair of shorts or whatever it is, and a gold pair of shorts or gray or whatever it is. Hey, hey today we're wearing blue on gray or, or, or white on, on black or whatever it is. Um, everyone is expected to wear this, the, the exact same shirt, the exact same shorts, the exact same socks because we express our individuality, you know, to conformity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's just how we do things here. That, that is part of our culture, right? You know? Right. So um, you can't, you know, so don't expect to walk in wearing a blue shirt when it's a, a, a gray on a gray on gray day or whatever, and not, not to be addressed right now. Right. We don't, we don't have to call you names and, 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 and berate you to just, Hey, like go change your damn shirt. And then when you come back in here, then we'll, we'll first of all, let's, let's get that done right away. And then we'll worry about, you know, what the punishment or the whatever is for coming in wearing the wrong shirt in the first or losing your shirt or whatever. Right. Right. Um, so something as simple as that uh, being on time is important. Right. Like we, we have a schedule for a reason. So if we say that the, the lift starts at, you know, 6 a.m. or 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever it is, then it starts at that time. Right. And if you're what I think a little bit of what's of what's happened with with our I say our culture as a whole, not Akron, mm-hmm. is, you know, there's a certain um, uh, uh, leeway. Right. Of mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I wasn't that late. Right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, I, hey, you know, I know it's it's 601 like what's like why like why is that a big deal well because you know and you heard coach says over and over and over again if it's not 100 percent right it's 100 percent wrong mm-hmm. right so if we say that the dress of day is you know blue shirt gray shorts white socks and black shoes and you're wearing the exact almost the person but you have one white sock on as opposed to a black sock on or you have the wrong pair of shoes on well then that's wrong right right because you, you know Close only counts in you know horseshoes and hand grenades, right? You know what I mean. So, right. Uh, so that 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 has been the biggest. I, I want to say challenge, but it really wasn't a challenge. But that's been the that's probably been the biggest. It seems like that was maybe the one of the biggest um, differences is the attention to detail and the um, uh, I guess the vigilance uh, you know of the details of being on time. Um, being dressed the right way, being prepared, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and then not just for appointments to happen in our building, right? So uh, we have, you know, a great academic support staff. We have tutors, we have mentors, um, you know, and if you have an appointment because either you asked for it or you were assigned to it because you're struggling in a class, then being on time for that is as important as being on time for a practice or a meeting or a lift or whatnot, right? So again, so just understand that everything matters, right? Right. That the weight room doesn't matter more, or less than your study hall or your finance class or, you know, the seven on seven or whatever it is. So, and in our reality, because of the portal, when we first got here and, and, and mind you, they, I think they let the, the previous head coach go like around Halloween mm-hmm. and they didn't, they didn't announce coach Moorhead until a week or two before the holidays. So that was about a two month, almost gap where there wasn't a true acting head coach in the building. And I give a lot of credit to the guys who were here in the interim basis who try to make it work. Cause I've been part of it before and that's tough. It really, right. especially when you're losing, mm-hmm. which they had, they were at that point, they were one in whatever. Um, so a lot of kids went to the portal. So I, I think we might've lost, um, you know, close to 20 guys between scholarship and walk on guys before we even got here. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And then, and in all reality, though, and I don't know those kids. I don't want to pass judgment upon them, but, but it sounds like they may have been guys that may have wanted to leave anyways uh-huh. once we got here because of what we're talking about, right? Right. Um, and then 
once we get here in January and the kids get back and we actually do establish a culture and start holding guys accountable and start, you know, kind of practicing what we're preaching, then another probably, you know, half dozen to, or some odd guys either couldn't handle it, didn't want to deal with it, or thought the, 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 the pastures were greener somewhere else. So we lost some guys as far as that goes, which is fine. Um, and then really there was, a, there was a pretty good chunk of time um, from I would say maybe like mid-February until after spring ball, but we really didn't lose. You know, at that point in time, we got spring ball coming up. Everyone's kind of excited about that. Um, so we didn't. There wasn't a, a bunch of exodus as far as that goes. And then we, there were maybe a small amount of guys that went to the portal after spring practice was over at the end of at the end of April. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was guys either you know we were not going to bring back because we just were out of out of roster spots, or guys that maybe. You know, I understand, like, you know, hey, I was a starter or a contributor with the old staff, and now the new staff comes in here, and I'm not for whatever reason, right? I'm, you know, the, the, the scheme changes. I'm not, I'm not a fit anymore, you know, whatever it is. Um, so uh, we, we, did the, we did the math the other day. We pulled a roster off of, like, the last game they played last season, and it's close to 50 names um, that were on the roster at the end of last season are no longer on the roster at the beginning of this season. Wow. Um, and very few graduated. In all reality, it was a lot of guys that either, you know, uh, rendered themselves ineligible or chose to go play somewhere else or, or are trying to find, you know, someone to play or something. But, um, but that is the thank God for the portal because you can, you can replace some of those numbers, uh, mm-hmm. and not all, not all young guys either, um, and, and have a chance to be competitive because if it wasn't for that and we, we had to, you know, kind of, eat that for two, three years and two, three cycles before we can replace those numbers, it would be detrimental to the program. Right. Yeah. That, that'd be, you would hate it every year. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, we're, like, yeah. And, and listen, I mean, like, I know we were very, very active in the portal this year. We had yeah. to be, right? Just right. Like I mentioned, you know, when, you, when you lose, you know, almost 50 guys off your roster, scholarship or a walker, that's, that's a lot of upheaval in the roster. Um, I would hope to God, and I feel pretty strong in saying that, that we're not going to, have that much, you know, roster turnover going forward because we're not going to have, you know, coaching turnover and that kind of stuff. Um, but, and, and at this point, the, guy, the older guys who are still here have been through a spring, a spring ball or some, like they kind of know who we are, what we're about. They bought in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't see there being a lot of, like, the, the, I don't think there's a lot of gray area in our, in our program right now. Guys know what's expected of them. We know who our players are and, and, and what's expected of them. And there's, we're in a pretty good rhythm as far as that goes right now. Yeah, because that's difficult when you come in and you have new players. They got to buy in. If they don't, then they're going to go. But like you said, then you get the guys that are going to buy in and be there, which is better. Like you said, no offense to the kids that left. But yeah. You, but you rather it's the same as a coaching staff. You rather have guys in there that buy into what you're going to do. Even like GAs, if you get an offensive line GA or whoever, like they're going to buy into what you're doing. They're going to be all on board, and then it moves forward better. You know, it's better to do that than you have those Absolutely. kids stay. You're going into the season, and then they. You know, they go do their own thing or they, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and that's been, honestly, that's been one of the biggest challenges with, as I mentioned, the portal with us, with, with high school kids too, but with the portal especially because, you know, here's the issue that you run into. Um, okay, well, we're preaching, you know, culture and, you know, accountability and toughness and all that kind of stuff um, to our, to the guys we've inherited, right? Okay, mm-hmm. to the guys who are already here, the guys who are still stuck, guys that are that stuck around. Um, and now we have the ability to go and get, you know, go and sign, you know, transfers and or high school players that are from you know, a bunch of places. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, but now this is like, like 
if you bring in a kid out of the portal or a high school kid or something who does not necessarily live up to that standard, you have essentially become a fraud to the to your team, right? Because you say, hey, you know, we want guys who are tough, disciplined, accountable, good teammates, so on and so forth. And then you're going to bring in a bunch of guys who are not that, right? And you're still <laughs> preaching that stuff, you know, in team meetings. Um, I mean, you'll lose a team pretty quick doing that because you're not, you're, you're, you're being hypocrite, right? They're right. being fraud. Um, so, uh, you know, with having to bring in this many new faces into the program, whether it be out of high school, junior college, or the portal, it's really challenged us to tap into our resources, man, and, and, and ask questions and, and, and do background and, and talk to people, you know, at the high school level, uh, at the previous school they worked at, you know, other schools they played against, because, you know, there's an old saying, you recruit your own problems, right? And that's mm-hmm. very true. Um, and that's true of a class of, you know, 20 high school kids or whatever it is, uh, that you have a whole year to, to kind of, you know, do background checks on. Um, but when you're doing that for, you know, 15 high school kids and 20 kids out of the portal, 25 kids out of the portal, whatever it may be, um, and some of those processes happen over the course of a week or two, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's everything, everything's quicker now. Um, man, it puts a lot, it puts a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of onus on on you know making sure you're asking the right questions to the right people because you do not want to bring in you know more of the same you know in, in that regard and then hopefully it gets easier for you guys once you start establishing that you'll still do all those background checks but right now yeah. you're like you're trying to do it like like you said you came in january then you're like boom 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 now you're gonna be nice little like I don't know, like a nice straighter path, like right there. It was just kind of weaving, and you're going boom. A boom. little bit, yeah. I think, I think with with the, with the, with the transfers, I think there's always going to be that kind of because, especially when when you're you're up against, it's almost like people understand, right? Like if a guy's going to go the portal, he understands. Well, you know, I'm going to wait until this point in time, uh, so I don't get left up, left up the cold, mm-hmm. so I can enroll my new school almost immediately, right? So like right when you get to like when summer school starts in May. In January, when the when the when the, uh, the winter uh, session starts, whatever, there's always like that kind of like mad scramble to get guys, you know, guys going the portal, get get a hold of them, figure out what's going on with them. We want to get into into this into this process or not, and if so, you know, and then get them enrolled in school. And I mean, it's I mean, we've had guys, and I, I give our our recruiting staff and our operations staff and our admission staff credit. We've had guys that have been. And then got in the portal, applied to school, had interest, which is awesome. You know, just that that just goes to show kind of, you know, the support we're getting from from, from some of those other entities on campus. Yeah, because going back way back to what you said at the beginning, if you have good people around you, good things happen. So when and I think that's some things people don't see that, you know, we obviously see the coaches, but then all the other support staff around that do all the hard work too. Absolutely. And that's it's great. Um I'm just going to jump around on questions here that I yeah. thought of as you're talking, because I've talked to some coaches as you're recruiting, and I'm going to talk, I guess, specifically high school kids. People always talk about multi-sport athletes, and I was talking to somebody like, when people hear multi-sport athletes, sometimes they're thinking of wide receivers or quarterbacks, and I said, well, what about the O-line and the D-line? Like, they're multi-sport athletes. Absolutely. Is that a big thing you look for, too? Like, did you play other sports, and how did that work for you? Yes. So I, I, I mean, me personally, and when I was a high school player, I was a three sport athlete um, in high school. So I played football, obviously. Uh, I played basketball and I wrestled. Um, the last two were kind of hard to um, 
juggle at times because they kind of run simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I only had one year, which was I think it was my junior year, my sophomore year, I forget, one of those years in the middle where I did actually did both. And I had to kind of pick, you know, I was like wrestle one day, basketball one day, vice versa. Um, but, uh, and then eventually as I got older, I, I kind of didn't play as much basketball and, and stuck to more wrestling. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah, so we, we definitely put a premium on guys that do more things than just play football. So uh, for us, like, for example, like if we were, and, and we're, we're a little bit different than some schools and we can talk about it later if we want to, like we recruit two very, I say very different, but we do, we, we have two different skill sets that we recruit to whether you're an interior guy or a tackle. Okay. Because okay. uh, to me, in our offense, their job descriptions are so different um, that that you have to kind of, you know, accentuate different things within those prospects. So with that being said, for our tackle prospects, because they're going to be a little bit more, you know, in space, right, against better athletes, they're going to be against smaller guys sometimes. Um, we love guys that play basketball, mm-hmm. right? Guys are, you know, fours and fives that can – move their feet, you know, play, play man-to-man defense, you know, uh, you know, cover guys in the perimeter, that kind of stuff. They just have a tendency to understand how to keep their weight with, you know, within their framework, you know, change direction, bouncing body control, all those things. So for, uh, I mean, and not that we won't recruit a guard that plays basketball, but we, right. that is a bonus for us for a tackle prospect, a guy that plays basketball. If a guy wrestles as an, int- well, I think wrestling is great because it, it, besides the fact that it, it, it is, it's probably the, of all sports you can play, including football, it is probably the biggest developer of balance and body control, mm-hmm. right? I mean, body awareness. Um, so if an interior prospect play, uh, wrestles, that is a huge bonus for us, right? Okay, I mean, it really is. Right. Um, that, that That's almost worth a whole quarter, half a point in our in, in our, our EVOC process. Um, and um, so I guess that's kind of, you know, the, the main thing. Now, other sports, other a lot of guys, you know, a lot of guys throw a shot, right, this, because that kind of stuff. As far as big guys, that's really good, too, because those numbers obviously speak to, you know, explosive power and that kind of stuff, which is great. Um, but if I had to choose, you know, one sport for each, I would, I would, I would want all, I would love all of our tackle prospects to play basketball. Because besides the fact that it develops it, also you can watch them play basketball right. and get a really good feel for you know, how good of an athlete they are, how well they move their feet and everything. Um, and then I would love all our interior guys to be wrestlers. Right. Because I don't know if you're seeing it. I've coached high school for 13, 14 years. And just every year, more and more do they go, just start specializing in one sport. And it's been yeah. baseball. That's been the one where they're yeah. specializing. And that's what we're battling, trying to change the numbers and this and that. And we have COVID hurt. COVID hurt where – because we didn't play till the spring. They crammed yeah. all three seasons from January to June, all three seasons into that time. Oh, wow. And the more you kept kicking the can down the road of, you know, waiting to see if we could play, obviously you're going to lose kids, whether they have to go work because their parents need it, whether yep. it was, well, I'm scared of COVID, which was, you know, true. And yep. then we're just trying to recover, but more and more it's they're going to go play baseball. And then I try to tell them, and I've never talked to a baseball coach in college, and I assume they ask the same questions. Do they play multiple sports? I assume. But we all know what assuming does, so I never, you know. But I try to tell these kids, if you play multiple sports, it helps you no matter what college you go to, Division three, two, you know, FCS, FBS, whatever. Definitely. And I just don't know why. And I've always asked college coaches, do you see more and more kids just specializing or you're, you're still able to find the multi-sport, but like, man, I'm seeing more and more just specializing in one, whether it's just football, just bas- baseball. 
You know, it's funny. I, I, I've actually had uh, for linemen, not 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 necessarily for school kids, but for linemen, I've actually had the um, moving. So obviously. Uh, in terms of recruiting linemen, different geographic. Um, there's not a lot of linemen in South Florida, uh, so you got to. But the South in general has not, right? You know, um, I tell. It's funny. I, I, I've actually told um, this to. Um, uh, so I recruit South Florida. So my recruiting area in state, I recruit the Columbus, Ohio area, right? Okay, and mm-hmm. I also recruit South Florida. Um, and when I came down to recruit South Florida in the spring. Um, you know, because I'm a line coach, a lot of coaches are like, hey, coach, I got this lineman, you know, and I said, listen, listen, guys, please don't test the wrong way. I don't need to come to South Florida through offensive line. Now, there are probably, you know, like there was probably, I think, two or three, maybe four at different times, at most at one time, mm-hmm. prospects that we were, that were on our board that we were evaluating from down here uh, that were linemen. But, um, I mean, within a five-hour radius of our campus, I mean, we can find three or four really good line. I mean, we signed four um, in January, um, only one of which is outside of that five-hour footprint. Um, and I think all of them are significantly better than guys that we, that we would have been able to find signed at FIU or, or anywhere but, you know, down here just because of your access to them. So my point is um, I've actually f- found more multi-sport linemen in, in this cycle in the Midwest than I ever found in Florida or other places. Now, you know, um, like for, so like we have two kids who are committed in the 23 class right now, both of which one plays baseball and one plays, um, and one, th- and one, one throws, throws for the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, you know, that's, and that was not by design. It's just, those are the two best guys that we found that wanted to come and be part of the zips. Right. You know, so, right. um, but I, I feel like almost every kid that I've recruited, that I'm recruiting right now, um, not every kid, but most kids I'm recruiting right now um, uh, on the offensive line either either also play basketball or wrestle or or throw shot, you know, right? Uh, or baseball, I guess, right? You know, so yeah, that's a good point because I have a lineman, but they'll play basketball or throw tr- or throw, and I'm like, that's that's beautiful. And then in yeah. the winter, they lift and do whatever and do all that. Yeah. But the more I think about it, it is wide receivers or quarterbacks that are like, well, I'm just going to do football or they quit. Like, I'm just going to go do baseball. It's the more skilled, your skill yeah. athletes that do that. See, and, and down here in South Florida, um, you do run into more of a, of the specialization. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys run track, but not as much as they used to. But the, but the, but the reason why I think it's happening down here is because different than Ohio, different than a lot of states, it is wide open down here for seven on seven. Okay. So from January until June, in all reality, there's a seven on seven tournament either in South Florida or there's a team in South Florida traveling to play somewhere else South Florida literally every weekend. Um, and, and, and they're not, they're not, you're not playing with your teams, right? So like, you know, the South Florida express, for example, or the, mm-hmm. the immortals or the whatever um, they all, they have, you know, players from 10, 12, 15 different high schools, playing for them and they travel all over the country and play. So a lot of those kids, you know, can't run track because they're doing seven on seven year round. Right. right. Which, you know, I mean, it's hard to kind of argue that that's not necessarily as good as running track for them. Right. Cause they are running and they are playing football and they are doing it year round. So, um, you know, 
I would venture to say that that it, that the, the seven on seven circuit down here has almost become like a whole other sport, right. which has made some of those kids more multi-sport athletes, although they're really only just playing football. Yeah, you, you've learned being around Ohio and then like Illinois, you can't do that in the in yeah, the, in the which spring. which was which was shocking to me when I when I when I when I heard that I was like really I was like, I mean that's great because that that's been a thing. I mean it's I get why they don't do it because it, it can become like AU basketball at times where mm-hmm. as a high school coach you do lose a little bit of influence when well, not, not a little bit a lot of influence and control over a kid who's recruiting. Yeah, there's down here. there's some around in the suburbs that have their own little cell and they'll travel. So if they don't do baseball or, or track in the spring, a coach will organize it, almost like an AAU, and they'll travel to southern states and play. Yeah. But yeah. that costs a lot of money, and so not everybody can see, do that. See, I believe – I could be wrong on this, but I believe it, I was told that in Ohio, if a kid plays in a 7-on-7 seven seven team or league, whatever, that's not – it's, it's, it's A, out of the window of sanction, and B, that's not his with his team, he's immediately ineligible for the following season. Mm. I, I could be wrong on that, but I or maybe that was the case. I'm not sure, but either way, it's really there is nowhere near the the the, the, the market for seven on seven in Ohio as there is in other parts of, this, of the country, especially in Florida. Yeah, I think in Illinois, you you can't do anything like that if you are on a team during that season. So, like, if a kid was on the track team at their high school, mm. I don't think he can go do a travel team around that. So, like, gotcha. Because some do that in basketball. They try to do high school basketball, but then also go do something with a travel team during the same season. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, because it puts them in conflict, which makes sense. Right. I think in Illinois, that's the only thing. So when they do – there's, I can't remember what the 7-7 group is. It's up here in the suburbs somewhere. They organize it. But they'll travel to Florida. They'll travel to, you know, all over during the spring and play. Um, And then people make highlight tapes out of it. I'm like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Whatever, but – None of our kids do it. I just know, like, your parents that can afford it do that. Because that – Yeah. My parents would laugh if I said, hey, I want to go do AAU basketball or go do travel baseball. They would have laughed. If yeah. I would have said, yeah, give me, like, $4,000 to do this, they would have laughed at me. They'd be like, no, you're going to go to the high school and play or you're going to go get a job. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm going to yeah. play sports, so I'm not going <laughs> to do that. Um, yeah, I was just curious because every coach is, like, seeing that more and more. So I was just curious on that multi-sport thing because it's – I started to see it in 2015. I was a young OC, and I saw I saw, I saw it. And then the AAU baseball coaches, they skipped baseball to go to a 7-on-7 seven seven for us. He didn't play them the rest of the summer because he was mad that they missed a baseball game. So that's – it's been, yeah. a, been a big issue. Um, so you said, like, with your guys' offense, you really have to dictate recruiting for your players. Um, obviously, I've tried to watch Coach Moorhead before. You guys will obviously be a spread team and looking – now you're going to be looking to run the football more than anything else, or are we looking to pass it more? Um, you know, it's – the offense has, has evolved. It, it, this is actually kind of a sidebar, but it's really neat the way our offensive staff is put together because, like I said, everyone's worked with worked with, and in some cases played for Coach Moorhead mm-hmm. in this system. Um, but we've all been – in the system at different points of evolution of the system. Right. Um, so, for example, like our tight end coach, Coach Reno Ferri, was actually on staff with Joe uh, way back when, right? So he was with Coach Moorhead his first time ever coordinating and kind of saw him begin to put his fingerprints on the offense and everything. And then I was with him. Uh, and then our running back coach, Coach Richardson, was with him at UConn and at Mississippi State. 
So he was with them when, you know, Coach Edsel was kind of still making them do some of the two back stuff and, and everything. And then also when he was at Mississippi State, when he was kind of totally, you know, off of that training, a little bit already. Right. I, I was with him at Fordham where it was really truly the first time where he had carte blanche because he was a head coach mm-hmm. and no one someone to do, right? And we did whatever we wanted to do. We were very experimental at times. And then like our quarterback coach played for him at Penn State and then worked for Mississippi State. So he's, you know, and our receiver coach, Coach Gilbertson, was at Oregon with him most recently. So like we've literally like there's one person from every step on the way in the staff room, which is great because there are things that even Coach Moore forgets that were that weren't that were good right. eight years ago, right? That we were my oh yeah, why would stop doing that? And then you know, and then becomes a discussion and it's very collective, actually, which is really cool. You know, I mean mm-hmm. it'd be very easy for Joe to say, Hey, listen, this is my offense, what we're doing, learn it and, and let's go do it. And but it's really it's become a very, very uh, eclectic, you know, kind of collaboration, which is awesome, right? Which is part of what, what, what makes Joe so great. Um, but my point is this. So the offense has enough um, variety to it, mm-hmm. right? And enough versatility to it that it can really kind of morph. And when I say morph, like you're not going to become, a, you know, a 22 personal operation overnight. Right. I'm not saying that. But within – the structure of how the offense operates, as you mentioned, being mostly spread, right? 11, 10 personnel, a little bit of 12, um, you know, obviously inside zone kind of being the main run game uh, mover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the variations off of that, but whatever. Um, depending on who your quarterback is, who your running back is, you know, how good your receivers are, um, you know, how physical your tight end is or isn't, um, and obviously how good you are up front in the line you can tailor and and feature certain things more or less from year to year or week to week. So for example, like in 2013, which was my second year with uh, coach at Fordham, I think we like broke off some kind of record. We, we, so in one year we had a running back go for almost 2000 yards. Our quarterback threw for 4,000. We had three different thousand yard receivers and we scored a bunch of points, right? That was mm-hmm. going to be Temple and, and Army and so on and so forth. So that year, uh, our quarterback was a kid named Michael Niebrick, who was a transfer from UConn, who broke all of Michael Vitt's high school records mm-hmm. in Virginia, right, as a, as a high school athlete. Uh, really good, really good thrower, but also really good athlete. So we became a little bit more aggressive with either design quarterback runs or uh, read element game, things that would induce more quarterback runs and that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we we're really, really successful doing that. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The almost the entire same team came back in 2014. Like, I think we, we might have lost like two or three offensive linemen, but all the receivers, the tight end, uh, we actually got better at running back because we got Chase Edmonds. Um, so, but almost the entire same team came back and the quarterback. But now the quarterback had a, a, a knee injury uh, and spring ball and was literally playing most of the year on a partially torn ACL. Hmm. So, obviously, him running around was not going to be you know the answer, right? The offense became a lot more RPO driven, uh, a lot more, you know, control passing game, a lot more with the quarterback and still was very, very explosive and successful that year as well when the conference, when the playoffs and so on and so forth. So I guess my point is like 
then that same offense goes to Penn State, and obviously you got Saquon Barkley. How, how how many times can we manufacture the ball in Saquon's hands? Right. right. You know whether whether it's him playing quarterback, him playing running back, bubble screens, swing screens, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, then they go to Mississippi State, and you know, they have Nick Fitzgerald, who's more of a Tim Tebow type of quarterback. He's not really a thrower, but he's a really good runner. Right. So now it becomes more like so the offense has the ability to kind of shape itself into in, into what really a quarterback does best number one right you know what I mean and then who are your best players and how can, can we feature those guys as, as best possible right. um, so to say we're going to run and throw it more I mean ultimately we want to be 50 50 right right you know what I mean and it's funny because over the course of years and years and years um, you feel like man we're throwing the ball more than we, than we normally have and then you go back and look at the numbers end of the year and you're pretty damn close to 50 50 every year right so right what you don't want to do in this offense, what the whole offense is predicated on, is to not run bad plays to bad looks, right? You don't want to run zone beaters into man coverage. You don't want to run man beaters into zone coverage. You don't want to run, you know, six-man blocking teams into eight-man fronts and vice versa, right? right? So that's really ultimately what the offense is designed to do, is to put you in the most advantageous play or, or scheme possible, given what the defense is, 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 is presenting. That's why – when I grew up, we were a power eye option team when I was in high school. Yep. So mm-hmm. what did I think when I, I wanted to coach when I was like 15, 16, I knew I was going to coach. What did I want to run? Well, we're going to be power eye option. And then I started to branch out and I said, I want to, I was a young OC, but I want to install something to give us that opportunity. Like you said, especially sure. in high school when you don't know what you're getting. Yep. You know, I, I make fun of wing T coaches, but it's just me stirring the pot, poking fun, whatever. But I feel like if I'm a wing T guy and all of a sudden I get some athletes and I'm like, well, I kind of want to throw it. I kind of want to run the quarterback. Now you got to switch your whole dynamic of offense. Mm-hmm. But if you come in where you kind of are kind of shotgun, kind of not, you can tweak that. Yes. If, and, and put yourself in that position. Like this year I had to go back and look at triple option stuff from a spread because part of my job is how do we keep kids playing football? They want the football. Yeah. But they don't want to be a running back and go downhill. So how do we get them in space? How do we not just throw bubble screens? Maybe we got to motion them and pitch it to them and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but since we're a spread team, we're able to tweak that and do all that stuff. Um, then, like, I've been, I used to ask coaches, so do you double team on inside zone? But everybody says yes nowadays. I don't know if hardly anybody does the old tradition, like step and go all the time. I think everybody double teams on inside zone all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh for I me, mean, for for us, we don't. So I I my zone um, my zone infancy in in, in coaching uh, and where I learned most of my zone blocking stuff. And originally, well, two people really. Uh, I played for Mike Munchak in the NFL, right? Um, okay. And then I, and then I when I first got into college coaching, uh, which was in 2007 at Ole Miss. Um, Alex Gibbs was actually out of work. He was that was he was in one of those cycles, mm-hmm. um, and he had become really close with Coach uh, Ed Ogeron, who was head coach at Ole Miss that year, um, because uh, of their time uh, when he was visiting SC mm-hmm. uh, with Monty Kiffin and Lane, those guys. So um, Coach Gibbs spent, I think, almost all of training camp with us. A couple weeks before training camp, kind of getting us ready for training camp, and then would I think visit maybe once or once or twice throughout the course of the season. So imagine I was a twenty-four, five-year-old, you know, GA uh, coaching tight ends, and Alex Gibbs was like part of our staff pretty much. Right. So a lot of my zone, inside or outside zone, a lot of my zone teaching principles really have their 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 root in 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 Alex Gibbs and and his uh, his covered uncovered principles. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so everything we do is based off of essentially cover to uncover. Now we've kind of tweaked it a little bit and changed, use different terminology. We've gone to more of a stoplight system now, where it's like green, yellow, red, okay. um, which I stole that from Rich Strosky, who was the OC at FIU when I first got there. Um, but it's the same, it's just different way of saying the same thing, right? You know, um, so we don't necessarily say, hey, we're going to double team more or less, whatever. The defense honestly dictates that based off alignment and movement in right. reality. Um, so I'm not sure it's a question or not, but yeah. Oh, no, it does. Because, like, yeah. when I first started this podcast back in 2020, that was one of the questions because. I'm still young, I guess, essentially. I'm 31, so I'm still like, and I do high school. And I always said, you guys double team. And some say, like, no, like, depending on what the defense is doing, we kind of just want to step and go. Some said, nope, we don't double team. Yeah. And I said, for me, like you said, I do uncovered, uncovered. If they present itself to double team, we're going to double team. Yeah, exactly. Um, Or it's up to the lineman. If a lineman goes, I can do it by myself, they don't call it. I, I give it up to them, like. Yeah. Your initial step is like talk to each other, double team. If you think you can do it by yourself, then you move on. Like then you do that, go up to the linebacker. And to your point, there there, there are certain systems that are really, really far on what either side of that pendulum, right? Mm-hmm. So like when I when I first got to FIU in twenty twenty, um Rich Trotsky was the offensive coordinator, uh, and he's now with uh, with Duke. Rich comes from that John Strollo um Wake Forest, which was at Bowling Green before and Ball State, whatever. Um, that 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 that. Oh, I, I know Siasi's uh, part of that tree because he mm-hmm. GA'd under 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 Rich and those guys before I got there. Um, where essentially leaving the line of scrimmage was like the worst thing you could possibly do running inside zone. Right? right. Everything was everything was at the line of scrimmage. You never you, you never pierced. You always stayed there, and it was five guys moving as one, and it was a lot more lateral than it mm-hmm. was ever vertical. Um, and they had a lot of success before I got there doing that. And we did it in 2020. We had, we went, we went about pretty well in 2022, actually. We had the running backs ourselves. Um, so, but that was my first time ever experiencing like that extreme mm-hmm. of, of, of one side of it. Um, and then, you know, we had a new coordinator come in the next year. We kind of changed and, um, and weren't as, you know, far onto that, that side of things. Um, so, but yeah, so, and look, what, Watch Wake because that, that's what Wake Forest does, right? Wake Forest mm-hmm. scores pretty points a game and 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 do it that way. So there's, it, it's it's like I tell campers when we have like summer camps, right? Like you know guys come from high schools and sometimes we teach things that maybe their high school coaches don't teach or or as contrary. So guys like there are so many ways to be right and so many ways to do things mm-hmm. in this game, right? I mean people have won championships running the triple option, running you know two back power, running spread. I mean, it's who cares? Like it's not about what the plays you run. Um, you know, it's more so about, you know, the consistency of coaching and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, anyways. Yeah. Cause I just, I, the high school I was talking about where we were like undefeated, it was that when I showed up, they said, that's how I used to run inside zone was everybody step to the right, you go up, whatever they're moving. Then he goes, well, then guys were coming through the line of scrimmage and, and everything else. So he's like, he went to that double team and it was beautiful. Like it worked. And so I took that with me. And I was like, we're going to double team. We're going to do this. But my problem was I talked to too much college coaches and I'm like figuring out what they do. So my yeah. thought was I want to do what they're doing. So that way, if I have a kid that does go on to play any sort of level of college football, maybe some things I say are similar to what they're, sure. they do. Yeah. And then coming into this year, I had to abandon it because I'm like, well, I love using hand inside if you're double teaming. I had to go to old school, get down into them and your shoulder and this and that, sure. which is not what everybody does. 
And maybe that's selfish of me, but I was like, you know what? This is best for the kids. This is best for our program. And, you know, I try to put them in a position to play college football. And they're going to go to play college football and say, well, our coach was an idiot. We were putting our shoulder into him, double teaming and this and that. And and we're not using our hand as much. And I'm going to look like an idiot. But that's why, that's why I ask coaches all these questions because I take notes. I try to implement that. And then it bothers me when I can't do it because I'm like, this is the way you're supposed to do it because I walked on to play one year of college football and that was one of the first things I learned was how to use your hands, how to do this, how to do that. And then now I can't do it. But anyway, that's my little rant on that. But yeah, the double teaming thing was huge. And then this year's my first year doing wide zone. So it's mm-hmm. been, as you can imagine, it's going great when you first install it for high school oh, yeah. kids. It's it's fantastic to, to, to implement. And then... Uh, I'm also changing my skip. I use a skip pull on power. I'm no longer doing okay. that. I'm shuffle. Yeah. I'm gonna shuffle and. Yeah, and we've that. found a lot. We, we've. I'm not sure I ever did skip pull. To be honest with you, but we did something similar to that. But I, it's it's um, we've not skip pulled um, in years, in years. Yeah. That's all I ever knew, and then I think it was Siasi where the first time I like real. I've seen people do it, but he when I talked to him, he was like the first guy. Yeah, to do that, and it's, and it's funny because um, he changed his pull uh, <laughs> technique after spending time with us at FIU. So, <laughs> to your point, like during COVID, when they were uh, uh, they got pushed back to a spring season, right at Bryant. So um, there was like I think one of the deals was there was like a month. There were two different months in the fall where every employee was essentially furloughed, right? Where they had to take mm-hmm. a month vacation or something just to keep the, 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 the budget floated. So he went and spent one of those. Actually, he might have spent he spent one whole month or, or, or a two-week window during training camp with us in 2020. And then he came back and spent another week or two with us towards the end of the season. Um, and, and, and as I'm sure you got to uh, see when you – talk to him he's brilliant and steve's mm-hmm. really really sharp man uh so we went, we went back and forth and talking about stuff and um he liked a lot of what, how we how we teach our pullers and stuff you know uh, we, we, we call it a sickle pull mm-hmm. um and so he kind of but again to his credit kind of took some pieces of it but kind of also morphed a little bit made it his own and made sense to him and his players and how they do things and now they they, they run it they're running it almost more so like when you watch north dakota state and those guys you mm-hmm. know how, how they run because they're so short and shuffling and, and you know it's funny because that, i'm not saying that's why but ironically they changed their pools uh, their, their pool path and technique and hell they they became much more of a gap scheme team this year all of a sudden as opposed to his own scheme team which is great you know for brian because that's going back to the old days right um so yeah it's awesome yeah because yeah, um I think I went away. I didn't do it at first because people were telling me that's a gap power. So if you're not always going to be a gap power, don't shuffle. And I just stick to your skip pull. And I just was like, okay, whatever. I like zone anyway. So I'm the guy that's like, if we don't run power as much, cool, it's fine. But then as the skip pull wasn't working or we're not staying square, we're not seeing the gap as soon as I should or we overshoot it. So if the gap is a gap, because mm-hmm. I'm the guy that's like, it's not always going to be a gap. It's not always going to be B gap. I don't know where it's going to be. That's just my philosophy because it's down blocking and we don't know where it's going to be. So we would overshoot it. We would do this. We would do that. So I saw the shuffle and I said, screw it. It might hit a gap. It might shuffle hit B gap. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yes, he was the guy. Like I I put on Twitter, I said, who does this? And I knew he did, but I just wanted to see. Immediately he sends me that film of his of like, oh, this is what we do. And I'm like, okay. So here I am asking questions and that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Um, and then, and then I've almost told our guys inside zone, 
I almost explain it in gap terms, which is stupid because I'm like, we gotta make sure the the gap's protected, guys. Too, that's part of your being covered. If it's a shade right here to the way we're going, that's your guy. Sure. Yeah. And, and they go, well, what if there's a guy on the inside shade and a guy walks down, like a linebacker walks down? I'm like, well, you better hit that linebacker. Another guy's sure. gonna hit this guy. Yeah, that's honestly where I think, uh, and I, I never had discussion with Coach Skrosky, um about where the so. I mentioned the stoplight system, right? So when I first, and this goes back to um, what they're doing at, at Wake Forest now, right? How they're, how they're coaching their guys. So so they coach them in terms like the covered, uncovered, you know, whatever. Um, to them, it's it's also about pace, mm-hmm. right? So how fast do I need to go? Well, so that's what they speak in green, yellow, red, right? So if you're, if, if a linebacker's walk down or you're covered, if you're play side gap or zone, whatever, mm-hmm. is threatened, right? With a three technique, um, you know, a play side shade, a walk, whatever, you're green. You better, be, you got to go and right. cover his ass up, right? You know what I mean? And then if you're, if, if essentially your backside shoulder is threatened or covered, but there's nothing in your front side, then you're yellow, right? You want to go, but you want to go slow because to your point, you want to create that double team and not just leave your buddy there, right? Right. Uh, and then red is if you're uncovered, you don't go anywhere really. Um, so, I liked the the conciseness of that and the way it was able to be very to me it's very visual friendly right you know what I mean mm-hmm. for, for young guys um, so we've actually stolen um, the whole stoplight uh, coaching kind of and and now now our footwork started to so hey if you're green this is your footwork if you're yellow this is your footwork if you're, and now we don't really speak in terms of red because uh, to me red really stop, talks to like that 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 big force pace mm-hmm. which we don't do. Um, so for us, it's more so like, you know, green, yellow, or uncovered, right? right. It's kind of more so, more, more so the, the, the our, our verbiage with it. Um, but to me, that kind of would help alleviate some of the, what you're talking about. Like, well, yeah, I'm yellow, but the linebacker walks on. Well, you become green. And what that's also helped us a lot, too, is it's helped us be able to talk to our guys about post-snap movement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you can, be, you, you can be yellow and then become green on your first step because – that two eye crosses your face play side or, you know, they've run a pirate stunt and now the ends, you know, in the B gap or you can be uncovered. So like literally like a huge portion of what we, of what we drill on a daily basis in our inside zone stuff is, you know, green footwork, yellow footwork, and then more so. And then green becoming yellow, yellow becoming green, green to yellow to green, right? Like, uh, you know, your guard on a three technique play side and they run a pirate stunt. So the three and the five, both reduced mm-hmm. down. Well, I, I'm on my I'm green pre-snap. I'm yellow on my first step, and now I'm back to green on my second step. Like, that shit happens fast, you know. Right. So, but it's a lot easier to say green, yellow, green, or whatever, and they can see that, and it kind of it kind of sparks a visual in their mind, as opposed to having to explain the whole process of hey, they're running a pirate stunt, you you know, whatever. Like I don't know how, how I would say that. This has become a lot more kind of catchy i guess you know almost like like like, like a buzz term you know for right. our guys um and and they get it which is all that matters at the end of the day right so. right i wish i would have talked to you before the summer because i would have used that that's awesome i was it's too late now i'm already in it but it's too <laughs> i can't go in there monday and be like all right we're gonna change it to this because they would be like coach steve what did you do this weekend and yeah exactly uh, right <laughs> yeah i wish i would talk to you before that's 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 awesome because that's because last year I had to tell them if it's a backside shade, you're uncovered because we're kind of going the opposite way. 
Yeah. But then what started to happen was they'd freak out and like come really down hard and it open it up and the linebacker shot out. So now I'm like, yeah, you're still covered, which I guess for you might almost be like a yellow because it's like, yeah, you're kind of exactly. But I all, but then I, I started to do the scooch where like the backside guy is going to scooch over and sure. use that technique. Sure. I got that from coach Rudolph at Ohio. Like he told me that. And that's what, that's kind of what they were doing. Um, at FI when I first got there and we did it the first year too. We've, we're not doing that as much here at Akron now um, for the most part. Um, but I know a lot of people do, do do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they, he had told me about that scooch and I was like, I'm going to do it. And he goes, no, don't do it. Cause this was like in August. And I said, why? He goes, it's too late. You have to work on that in the summer. And I said, okay, well being the dumb idiot I am about week, week two of our practices, I said, all right, we're going to do it. So we started scooching and I was like, yeah, I should have waited. Cause that takes a lot of, a lot of practice, a lot of knowing and, understanding when to use it and um but again i got the, i got to the school in 2020 they never load step before like they, mm. they it was just old school fire out and yeah our head coach now he was the old line coach but he played linebacker in college so he was more of like just go and hit him which is great gotcha. which was great but now i'm like now i gotta teach you how to load step which gives you that patience like you said to see like where it's coming and then go sure. and uh if you that's have, one thing like like when we were uh i think it was between our first year and our second year at fiu maybe we did a study, or I'd say we are GAs in a study um, on um, just because you know, it felt like a conference would say, um, and I'm sure the math is probably very similar, like the name of the game for D-line was movement, right? And you get so much post-nap movement, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be single reduction, double reduction, whatever it is. Um, and it was crazy. So in, 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 I guess it was the 2020 season, I guess it was, or the, the 19 season, 78% of the, of the time, um, whatever, wherever the three tech was when the ball was snapped, he was not there once the ball was snapped, right? So, there, so wow. essentially there was there was some kind of a reduction, right, to, to a three technique side, mm-hmm. whether it be single or double, on 78% of the snaps. Uh, and, and, and that was just against FIU, mm-hmm. which I'm sure I mean, was would be the same against anywhere else. It really at everything that we've done that we do now the run and pass everything we do now like, before we present to the kids and talk about it and everything has to be okay not only is it sound against like base defense is it sound against you know odd defense is it sound against movement because you're not I mean very very few people are going to have i mean even the even the, the defenses that have the d linemen who are going to sit there and play gaps don't play gaps right you know right. I mean? so it's just not what they do um so it's really kind of it's good because from a coaching standpoint, it's forced us to be very very strategic, um, and, and have our have our 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 bases covered before we present to the kids because yeah, this may be great against a stationary three tech, but if it's bad against movement, then we shouldn't do it, right? You know, right? Because I do this all the time. What do we draw as offensive guys? I always put a five technique, one technique, three technique, five technique. This is a perfect sure. world of blocking. Yeah. But like our defense this year, they're gonna be more head up guys. They're gonna be do this, and I'm like, okay, so now we gotta go against this, this, and this. Do yeah. our rules match this front, and do you understand that they match this, um, Coach? I'm taking all your time. I'm trying to wrap it up for you so you can enjoy your vacation. No, you're uh, good. You going into Akron and being to the MAC, there's a lot of great run game coordinators and O line coaches, and now you're a part of it. Like, are, are you guys excited for that battle each and every week? Because like, there's like I said, I talked about Rudolph. He's at Ohio. Uh, I know the Kent State coaches because Sean Lewis was at Eastern Illinois when I yeah. helped spring ball out there when he was there with Babers. So I know mm-hmm. what they're doing. 
Um, how exciting is it to be a part of that group now? You're, you're there, all those great O-line coaches, run game coordinators, you're a part of that now. Is that exciting? Is that, you know, all right, you're not going against each other, but like you can see what they do and maybe steal some things or they're going to steal some things from you. Like it's really exciting that the Mac's great. Like there's tons yeah. of great coaches. It, I think I think the Mac, and this is not just coaches in general, I think the Mac in terms of G5, pro, G5 conferences, mm-hmm. right? I think it probably has the best setup and the best um, uh, self, the best identity, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I mean? Like the Mac, like you, you know what you're going to get when you put in a Mac game, right? You're going to see, right? You know, what I mean, first of all, the whole Maction thing with Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games late in the year on ESPN and NFL Network, and so on and so forth. It's awesome, right? It, it, it's so much cleaner. And 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 um, and user friendly than than conference USA was for us like at FIU for sure. So just being a part of the Mac, I'm really excited about just that alone, right? Just like right. having the ability to say, hey guys, like we're the only show in town. If you're watching College Football on Wednesday night, October, whatever day it is, right? You're watching us play against Miami, Ohio, or Bowling Green, or Toledo, whatever it is. So right. I'm really, really, really excited about that. And and having worked um, with and for guys who have played in or coached in the Mac. All you hear about all the time is, you know, the parody in the conference, the coaching in the conference, the competitiveness. So f- to that to that extent, I'm really, really excited about being part of the conference. I really am. Um, it was really cool going through spring recruiting in May because um, having a portion of uh, Ohio mm-hmm. and also and also working camps, you know, Ohio State camp and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, having a chance to meet a lot of these other coaches. Um, I met Coach Rudolph mm-hmm. um, at, at, at a high school in Columbus, actually, in May. Um, you know, guys from Toledo staff who, I've, uh, who I knew before, who I met recently, Kent State, as you mentioned, Bowling Green, so on and so forth. So it's been really, really cool to kind of put a face, right, mm-hmm. and, 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 meet, and, and meet some of these guys. Because um, you hear about some of the great things that, that they are and have been doing in conference play. Um, so, yeah, to, to your point, I'm really, really excited to kind of see, you know, what – we can bring to the conference, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? Um, um, you know, this this offense has obviously been successful at a bunch of other conferences, right? The different levels, you know, with FCS level and the SEC and the Pac-10 and the Big Ten and so on, or the Pac-10, I guess Pac-12, sorry. Um, well, now, it's, now it might be the – yeah, exactly. Might right. be the Pac- <laughs> it might be the Pac-8 eventually. I have yeah, no idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, so, you know, and, and, and not just – what I can do because that's a very small part of the puzzle, obviously, but what can our players do, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and can we put them in position to be successful? Because ultimately this is, this is one of the coolest parts of taking over job this, and it's actually very, very similar. And it's because myself and coach Moorhead were the only ones who are on staff. Now we're at Fordham. We draw the comparison almost daily about what we're taking over at Accurate and how similar it is to what we walked into at Fordham. So to give you a little mm-hmm. background, um, so at Fordham, we got there in 2012. They were one in 10 the previous year, which is exactly what Akron's record was last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many games they had won the previous three or four years, but they had not had a winning season in their previous like six or eight years. Mm-hmm. I think they had, had, I think, one winning season the previous decade. Right now, I was when Coach Clawson was there before he went to uh, Bowling, or I guess Richmond. Um, and so it was a program that had been downtrodden for a while. Right. Great, like tradition, Vincent Barty, the Four Horsemen, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, uh, you know, the, the seven blocks of granite or whatever, but it had really fallen on hard times recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
our first year there, a lot, uh, there's probably more positives going for you as a program at Akron now than there was at Fordham our first year there okay. in terms of facilities and support and, you know, administration and, and recruiting area, that kind of stuff. Right. But, um, and of course the transfer portal, which wasn't a thing back then. Right. Right. Um, but we took that team, you know, and gave them structure, culture, you know, development, so on and so forth. Um, and the next year we won six and five, which was the biggest turnaround in college football uh, at the FCS level that year. By no means a six and five going to win your coach of the year or anything, mm-hmm. but from, from a team that had not had a winning season in the previous, like literally not one player on that roster had ever been a part of a winning season in college. And they won six and five that next year. And honestly, probably won some games they shouldn't have won, probably lost. I mean, it was, it was, there was nail biters right. to get the six and five, right? They had to really grit their way through it. The next two and three years, 12 and two, 11 and three, you know, back to back conference championships, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? Top five rankings. Um, and that was with a lot of the same players in all reality that were on that on that one in ten team before we got there. Right. So all like like what 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 my ultimate goal is for our program short term and for these players is that. Right. Right. Like I like I want our guys to experience like a winning season, right? You know, uh to, to walk around campus and walk around the community, go back to their high schools, you know, over break. Wearing Akron stuff and mm-hmm. and to have pride in that, right? Not like, well, I settled for Akron because we didn't settle for Akron. Coach Moorhead could have taken, you know, a couple of Power Five head jobs if he really wanted to, but he wanted <laughs> to come back to this part of the country. Mm-hmm. He wanted to come somewhere we could build something to be part of a rebuild, and he chose Akron. He didn't settle for Akron, and we all did the same thing with him, right? You right. Know what I mean, and we want our players to feel the same way, right? So, what better way to do that than to go out there and have some success, win games, do it the right way, be proud in the way that you're doing it. Right, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and then go and and the one the one awesome part of the Mac that we didn't talk about was some of these bowl tie-ins are awesome. By the way, I mean, yeah, have an opportunity to go play in the Bahamas or in, in Boca Raton or or Clearwater or St. Pete, Florida, mm-hmm. or wherever. I mean, it, this I mean, there's there's great bowl. I mean, obviously Detroit's cool too, but there's some really really cool bowl tie-ins this conference has that you, that, that we can be a part of that Akron has been a part of in the past, and it should be part of going forward. So. I mean, how awesome for our guys to go from winning, you know, three games in three years and then come back in, in a year or two, have a chance to go play, you know, a team from the American or from a Power Five conference or whatever in, you know, if somewhere in Florida or in the Bahamas or Arizona, who, who cares where it is, right? But, right. you know, get flown out somewhere for a week, get bowl per diem, get bowl gifts, have that cool experience and play one more game with your guys, right? Which right. is also a part of the front of, of a bowl of a bowl process. So um, that's what we're excited for, ultimately. Yeah, it's exciting to rebuild a program. It's always exciting to do that. Um, it is. Done it a couple of times up here in the suburbs. Like you said, coaching a school of 4,000 kids, and some of those kids have rough home lives, and that's all they needed in life was that football program. But to, they only won one game in like three years. Yeah. And then they went four and five. Yeah. Like – they're so close to being successful, so that's a fun thing, and it's cool that you've been a part of it, and Coach Moorhead's been a part of it, so you know it's, it, what it's going to take, sure. and that's cool to sell to the kids. Like we know what it's going to take, so jump yeah. on the train, and we'll, and we'll and we'll be there, and the other exactly. coaches too. Like we know, yeah. Uh, so that's awesome, and uh, you know, to wrap it up, the Mac's going to be with you guys going there to turn that around. The Mac's just going to be tough. It's going to be tough week in and week out, and like you said, we'll all be watching Tuesday. What are the high school coaches doing? We're going to go home. At six thirty seven at night, oh, Mac action! We're gonna turn it yeah, on, exactly. <laughs> and we're gonna. I, watch said, it. I, I think the conference, you know, obviously the TV drives the ship, right? You know what I mean? But I think, yeah. I think that, that that this conference, like, has a 
does as good a job of any G5 conference, if not better, of marketing itself to its audience, right? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And 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 unapologetically, like, hey, we are Matt. Like, if you follow the Matt Con or the Matt, the Matt Conference's Twitter handle, it's like hashtag Matt. Like, that's like Maction yeah. is their Twitter handle. It's not even like it's it's a it's a part. It, it is a thing, you know. So right. it's really cool. And you know, everyone keeps talking about. I've always heard for years and years about you know how how much parity there was in this conference, right? You know, I mean, like uh, our division, the East has had a different team win it, I think, the last three or four years, every year. Mm-hmm. Um, the team that won the league outright last year was uh, NIU, and they were 0 for the year yep. before that, you know. Yep. So that doesn't give you, you know, um, any kind of, uh, you know, hope, you know, for what this program can do, you know, uh, in the near future. I don't know what I don't know what it does. So. I don't know. Yeah, NIU's only like 40 minutes down the road before I left. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry. I'm a fan of you now, too, so don't worry. Even though I'm 45 <laughs> minutes – I'm a fan of, it. fan of a lot of schools in the Mac because all you coaches are great to talk to us on these podcasts and everything. Like that's another great thing about coaches and not just the Mac, but the Mac I've talked to more Mac coaches than probably everywhere else. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think, I think when you get to and I, I, having been at the power five level and, and stuff, I, I feel, I think like there's, a, there are different kinds of coaches, obviously with different personalities in this profession. Mm-hmm. Right. You have some guys um, that have had a little bit of a charmed existence, right? Mm-hmm. They they either played or or got a got a, a foot in the door as a GA or something, an analyst at one of these big time programs, and then kind of never left, right? And, and they've been at, in one school or with one guy mm-hmm. and they follow them around a bunch of places. Um, so they think the whole they think the whole world operates like that, right? And and everyone's kind of beneath them a little bit, and they they think that they. Um, somehow have this secret formula that no one else has because they've been able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the cool thing about the Mac and other conferences too, and even some coaches that have risen to, you know, those power five big time jobs that came through the ranks right out of the FC D two FCS high school, the Mac, you know, whatever. Um, they understand that there, there are really good coaches mm-hmm. that never get a chance to coach college football. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I'm, sure, I'm sure you've been a part of that. Right. There are really, really good coaches I mean, some of the best coaches I've worked with were at the FCS level, right? Right. There are really good coaches that that either because of opportunity or because of who they know or because they weren't really looking for it, um, you know, never had a chance. So, and there's also really, really, really bad coaches mm-hmm. at some of these blue blood programs too now, you know, because of you know who their dad is or their resume, whatever it is, right? You know. Right. So, my point is, I, I think that you know, Coach Moore has a really cool saying. He says, "Take your job seriously, not yourself." Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a, at some programs, some people sometimes take themselves way too seriously. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think you have that run that problem in the Mac because you can't because you're in the Mac. Right. So, you know, we're all just kind of trying to find a first down somewhere. So, right. No, uh, sometimes there's a disconnect between what high school coaches don't understand what college coaches go through. You guys have a tough job, even though some of it might be easier than what high school coaches do. The amount of recruiting you guys have to do, the changes you guys have had to go through with the portal and this and this and this. Like, it's a lot of changes. Like you said, how hard you had to recruit doing a program. But then there's some college coaches that don't understand what high school coaches go through, and there's that disconnect. And that's why I like doing this podcast and talking to college coaches to rebuild that connection of, like, I understand what you guys go through, and we appreciate what you do, learn from you guys. And then hopefully maybe some college coaches that don't understand, oh, high school coaches have to wash all the clothes. They have to line the fields. They have to deal with parents. They have to do this. 
and maybe they can't coach in college because they have a family and they weren't going to do that GA job for a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars, you know. And exactly, um, you know, and that's why I appreciate anybody that comes on and spends their vacation time talking to me is good in my book. So um, that's how I'll wrap this up. I appreciate you. Um, I have to be a fan of Akron. Now I'm a fan of every Mac school, but now I have to be a fan <laughs> of. We'll make room for you. We'll make room for you on the uh, on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, make room for me, and if I ever go to Ohio, I'll swing right by in. And uh, absolutely, come and, on, Mike. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. Um, enjoy the rest of your vacation, um, guy. Uh, what's your Twitter so so people can? Uh, I am at Coach underscore J underscore Rod R O D. Okay, everybody, go follow him. Check out Akron this year. I'll be watching that offense and seeing what goes on. I like to steal from people, so I watch and see what what I can do. Uh, Hopefully we score some points because the first downs will make it worthwhile. Oh, I think you will. I think you will. Um, But I appreciate you guys. Go follow him. Thank you guys for watching or listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Awesome. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.